0: sequence All engines running, commit flip-offs.
1: Hey, folks, good afternoon. Welcome to SWAT Radio. Brad Sykes sitting alongside my good buddy and partner in crime, Doug McCary. It is uh, Wednesday afternoon, August second and uh by the way doug how you doing buddy
2: i am doing great i <laughs> you're, was just looking for some glasses i was gonna say you.
1: you're probably still looking for glasses for me uh, um you know i don't know, a bad habit i had to swap cars out and end up leaving my glasses so okay um, so here's a question i'm making you. excuses but how
2: how many pairs of glasses do you have around your house
1: (laughs) so interestingly uh you've you've seen me in the same pair of glasses and i kid you not i've had those glasses and they're just readers so that's all they are for about 11 years i've kept the same pair of readers for 11 years and i tell my wife vicky vicky goes through a pair of readers about every six days yeah and uh and and yes she has them all over the place so does Lori.
2: Lori has like there's like 30 in the bathroom
1: that's pretty much the way it is but when she needs them she can't find them (laughs) no i text one to no one so I'm, i'm sitting here complaining i don't have my glasses but i usually have one extra pair somewhere and i usually keep it in my bag but i don't have it but that's all right we'll manage um Good to good to have you join in today. If you want to call in this afternoon, the number is eight four four seven 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 nine two eight. I know, Doug, we've had a uh, we've got a you know when we're sitting here in the studio, and I know you're like me, even though we're sitting across from each other. I usually get two or three texts during the broadcast. <clears throat> Some guys are maybe commenting on what we're talking about. Some sometimes it's just amen to that or whatever. And uh, of course. You know, we're we're a live broadcast. We the part of why we did this was to invite you to call in. Uh, we, this, you know, it's the the topic we're talking about and have been talking about pretty much all summer is uh, from the book, the discipleship gospel, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's somewhat controversial. I mean, would it's oh, not yeah. to me? It's not controversial to me. I believe it's biblical, but I think because if you've grown up kind of in the american church
2: uh, you may be uh, misunderstood uh, well well i would you know the the thing is most people in this country have have grown up hearing a gospel that is lacking the kingdom um i would i the, the kingdom parts of the gospel yeah. like yeah. It, it focuses more on what's in it for me, the forgiveness only, the consumer gospel, whatever you want to call it. And and it's pretty upsetting to people because, you know, and, and just take, for instance, the whole idea of asking Jesus into your heart. Well, we know that people have good intentions when they say that, but what does that mean? Mm-hmm. How, what does it mean to ask Jesus into your heart? Does it mean the same thing for you as this person over here? Right? Uh, you know, What people should say is, are you want to trust Jesus as your Messiah and your Savior? The Messiah is the Savior. You can't divorce one from the other. Yeah. Uh, And and you can't just present one side of it. You got to tell people who he is and what it means to be his. Yeah and we, we and the cost of it we almost bait and switch people uh a little bit but
1: i'm glad you used that
2: word i, I was going to use it but uh, yeah well I'm glad you beat well, me to it. well it's you, we we do you know it's like telling people hey come to a pizza party and then you don't tell them about jesus you you kind of you know, you you what's it called when you uh, come from the side? You yeah, a little they back door, action. Yeah, you, yeah. Well, you sideswipe them there with Jesus, and and catch them in a moment of weakness emotionally. They make an emotional decision, and instead of a spirit led decision, mm-hmm. and and you can almost hear people talking out there now. Well, well, I know this happened, and I know it was real. And listen, if you trusted Christ. And you've had a long pattern of unrepentant self-led um, living. Let's just say, like you're, you, you've been thirty years since you've quote trusted Christ. You've never told anybody about Jesus. You don't like to read the Bible um, for whatever reason. You can use any excuse you want. Uh, you you don't follow the Spirit's leading. Um, you don't spend time praying. Why would you say that you're his? How about conviction? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Conviction of sin. You know, I mean, it's one of the
1: things a lot of people may ask, how do you know? How do you know you're his? And uh, we could probably answer that in a lot of ways, but I think one of the ways you know you're his is that you are convicted over sin, Mm -hmm. that we don't just – continue to sin without any burden that sin brings
2: with it. Mm. Well, I, you know, I want to play a call we got yesterday as we were kind of finishing. Um, and so, um, I, am going to put it up, uh, AJ, and hopefully it'll pick up, but it's from a guy and I'll just set the context for the call. He, he said he agrees that discipleship and belief ought to go together. But he says I think at the end he says you can't you 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 know you you can't be a disciple without being a Christian. I want to disagree with him and I'm going to scripturally show where you can cuz there were disciples who were not believers. But I want you to hear the call that came in yesterday right at the end. So
0: I want to leave a that uh... Uh, I I agree to You can't have one without the other on this, uh, discipleship and salvation. Uh, I, I believe that you can't have one without the other. Uh, you, I don't think you could be a disciple if you don't have salvation. And uh, if you have salvation, you can be a disciple. Uh, they got one; they go together. You can't have one and not the other. If you got salvation, you're gonna work to discipleship. But now uh, you you can't have. I don't think you can have uh, discipleship. And no how salvation. If you ain't got no salvation, what's to teach you to be a disciple? Thank you very
2: much. Okay, so let, let's take what he said, because I, this is, again, we want to we wanna be biblical in the things that we say. We obviously are trying to understand. Brad and I don't have a corner on this market. We are just simply going into the Word to see what the Word says. But in John 6... Verse 60, Jesus has been teaching about eating the flesh of the Son of Man, drinking his blood. He says, unless you do this, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh, drinks my blood, has eternal life. I'll raise him up on the last day. This is John six fifty four. For my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh, drinks on my blood, abides in me and I in him. Because the Father sent me, I live because the Father. So whoever feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not the bread like the fathers ate in the wilderness and died. Whoever feeds on my bread lives forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue. Now, verse 60 says, When many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who were who did not believe and who it would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you no one can come to me unless the, it's granted him by the Father. Verse 66, after this, many of his disciples turned back and they no longer walked with him. They left. Hmm. And Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away too? And Peter said, no, where, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you're the Holy One of God. So in that case there, you had people that were disciples. They were following Jesus, but they weren't believers. Mm-hmm. They, they they were following for a point, but then they quit. They said, nope, we can't go down that road. And that's what we see a lot, Brad, in the church. Could you imagine if in America, all of a sudden, people started getting locked up, for truly believing in Jesus. Do you think Mm. that would weed out the churches a little bit? It would. It definitely would. I mean, if you started getting beaten because you really believe in Jesus, you profess a love for Jesus and you're his, I think that would weed out a lot of people that we see now who actively congregate in churches.
1: So maybe there's some discussion to be had about the biblical definition of disciple. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we uh, talked about it. Yesterday. According to that, right there, which you just read, uh, a disciple was anybody who was following Christ. Now, what does it mean to follow Christ? Maybe let's let, let's clarify.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, you you could say to me, "Hey, Brad, follow me," and I can follow you. I can get in your truck. We can go to the gun range. We can go to your. You know, we can do a lot of things, but is don't you believe there's a difference between discipleship as in I'm gonna I'm gonna go where Jesus is going versus I'm gonna do what Jesus does. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know what I mean? I mean we can go do we can follow somebody in a in a direction but we cannot follow him in obedience to what he's
2: calling us to do. Well, the Spirit leads us in both, right? That's correct. He made a clear statement there about the Spirit in John chapter 6. Well, because we know that a lot of people were following Jesus for what they could get out of it,
1: right? Yes. Hey, man, he feeds the 5,000. Let's hang out with this group. Mm -hmm. Would
2: those have been called disciples? Yes. Uh, I I see in John 6 a clear representation that you can be a, quote, follower but not a true believer right because people were following him for what they could get out of him by the way didn't we cover that the first two weeks yeah and don't you think our churches are full of those
1: yes kind of people i mean unfortunately
2: yes um yeah not everyone who says lord lord is going to enter why i did this i did that um so you know that that I wanted to play that call because I wanted people to to be clear when we talk about believing and being salvation. You, we said it yesterday. You, you you can't be a believer and not be a disciple. You can't deny discipleship, not long term. You can you can have moments of lapse, moments mm-hmm. of your flesh, you know that that come, but. Not long patterns of, oh, I'm just a believer. I'm just right. going to heaven, but I'm not a real disciple. That's a different level. It's the same. Yeah. When you take him as believer, if you're his, he's going to do a work in your life through the Spirit to make you his disciple. Yeah, and
1: that's what we're kind of yeah. digging into this week is this, the discipleship aspect as it relates to being transformed into the image of christ that this is a lifelong process and uh, he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion when on the day of christ jesus yes. between now and then we are to be about being obedient to what he's called us to be so glad you tuned in call in this afternoon 844 7928 stay tuned we'll be right back
0: mm-hmm.
3: The Florida-Georgia Truth Network, on the air in Waycross at 91.3.
1: Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. Brad and Doug here on this uh, Wednesday afternoon. Glad you have tuned in. And, uh, you know, we are th- this this idea of discipleship. I, the reason I brought that up, Doug, is because I think there's a misunderstanding that if you are a church attender, mm-hmm. uh, you're a disciple. Mm-hmm. Um, just as in the case that you shared in John, that just because people were tagging along and were hanging out around Jesus in his crowd doesn't mean they <laughs> yeah. were really his disciples. Yeah. That, I mean, the heck, we, we know yeah. that uh, John had his own disciples. John the Baptist had his own disciples, right? Yeah, yes. Those aren't disciples of Christ. No, and, <clears> and, <throat> and even
2: people that follow Jesus, what Jesus was rebuking them for, if you remember in John 6 at the beginning, he fed 5,000 people who followed him, and he said, hey, the only reason you're coming after me is because I fed your belly. Mm-hmm. You just want your bellies full. And let's face it, the people, a lot of people in this country have grown up, especially if they're over 40. Most people have grown up where there's at least a church on a street corner somewhere. Right? It, it was a cultural <laughs> thing. Uh, it, it was seen as moral. In fact, our whole country, uh, out of the founding fathers that that signed the declaration, fifty two professed to be believers in Christ. in Christ. yeah. yeah. and and when <laughs> they talk about separation of church and state, they were not talking about separation of church and state in the sense of we see it today they were talking about people trying to make one denomination Mm -hmm. the key denomination of the whole country.
1: As it was in
2: England. But if you you had all 55 of the founding fathers, even the three that weren't professing believers here today, they would be stunned at what Mm -hmm. people have done with what they wrote because it wasn't about giving people – that they would have taken a very dim view of Satanism, of Hinduism, of Islam, all those as far as being like, you know <laughs> that something that oh yeah, we're all gonna worship these things. It was about the values of this country were Judeo Christian values. Biblical. Yeah, biblical yeah. values. Yeah.
1: And we, we see that even as in some of their their writings were about being a moral people. Yeah. And how are you a moral people? people without a moral plumb line yeah which is the scriptures yeah. by the way doug I, I, I was just sharing with you on the break uh, i was reading through the valley of vision book which give a little <clears throat> little context to this book doug do you remember giving me this book yes now, I, i've gone through about three of these already but uh, i remember you and i were in india back in um 16 17, no, probably about 2017 2018 possibly yeah and you and I got up every morning and and read through uh the uh, valley of vision and and prayed together it's just you know, those, those certain memories you have in this book is I cherish this book Th- this was my reading today listen to this so it's it's headlined purification since we've been talking about discipleship and uh, being, you know, that being a disciple of Christ doesn't just mean a head knowledge. It just it doesn't mean just a an understanding of Jesus's teachings. In mm. fact, Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18, 19, 20, he says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Mm. So in, in, because of that, go, therefore, and make disciples, teaching them, baptizing them and, you know, about obedience mm. you know um, but l- listen to this so this is uh, uh, purification from the valley of vision <clears throat> and uh, this is written by some puritans it says lord jesus i sin grant that i may never cease grieving because of it mm-hmm. never be content with myself never think i can reach a point of perfection Kill my envy, command my tongue, trample down self. Give me grace to be holy, kind, gentle, pure, peaceable, Mm. to live for thee and not for self, to copy thy words, acts, spirit, to be transformed into thy likeness, to be consecrated wholly to thee, to live entirely to thy glory. Mm -hmm. Deliver me from attachment to things unclean, from wrong associations, from the predominance of evil passions, from the sugar of sin as well as its gall. That with self-loathing, deep contrition, earnest heart-searching, I may come to thee, cast myself on thee, trust in thee, cry to thee, be delivered Mm -hmm. by thee. O God, the eternal all, help me to know that all things are shadows, but thou art substance. All things are quicksand, but thou art mountain. All things are shifting, but thou art anchor. All things are ignorance, but thou art wisdom. If my life is to be a crucible amid burning heat, so be it. But do thou sit at the furnace mouth to watch the oar that nothing be lost. If I sin willfully, grievously, tormentedly, in grace take away my mourning and give me music. Hmm. Remove my sackcloth and clothe me with beauty. Still my sighs and fill my mouth with song. Then give me summer weather as a Christian. Hmm. And as I was reading this this morning, I was thinking this goes right to what we were talking about. This idea that salvation is not praying a prayer.
2: It's not just a token prayer. Like, I mean, that that's the problem, is it? Can you can, think about it for a second? Like, is there a greater calling in the world than the call to follow Christ? Is there a greater mission? Mm. And yet, could you imagine, like I was a Marine. I spent eight years in the Marine Corps. And I, I go in, I raise my right hand, I say an oath. And I'm like, okay, I'm a Marine. I'm a Marine now. Hmm. I'm in. Yeah. And I don't do anything with it. I just, I go home and I just do what I want to do. That's not the way it works. Yeah. How, you, how
1: long are you going to last yeah, in yeah, the marine? Well,
2: yeah, you, you're not. You can't do that. And the same way, you don't do it with God. And that's why I go back to that passage in Mark, Mark 10, where the rich young ruler it comes up to Jesus and he says, not, hey, uh, he goes, what do I have to do to be saved? What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? He's asking the question that every evangelist wants to be asked, right? right. Everybody's waiting. If, if you're out there and you're a believer, what would you say? Well, what Jesus said is a lot different than what's taught at a lot of seminaries. I mean, you'd look at this thing. And Jesus said, hey, listen, go sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and then you're going to have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. Now, if you just took that out of context, you could say, well, we all just become believers by going to give everything away. That's not what he was saying. And the man didn't do what Jesus said. He just he turned his back and walked away sad. He said he went away grieved. He went away sad. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he had a lot of stuff, and, and and you know. And if you look at that, like if we took you doing that today, let's say mm-hmm. you had an assignment from a seminary professor to go do that, and you found somebody, and they said, "What must I do?" And you told him that he'd fail you. That's right. If you told him to do that, then you go, "Yeah, but Brad's not Jesus. No, he's not." But what was Jesus doing? He was telling the guy, "Listen." You need to get rid of everything that's more important to you than I am. That's, that's, I mean, you you, you need to understand I'm Messiah. I'm the King and you need to get rid of it. You need to let go and then follow me. Don't just follow my teaching. Follow Mm -hmm. me. That means I'm the new King of your life. You allow me to have my rightful place. He is King. And one day, Philippians 2 says, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess him as Lord. But right now, it's not so. Hmm. And so when he walked the earth, the guy asked him and he told him. And the guy went away sad. And what's interesting is Peter, a little later, uh, goes, see, we've left everything for you. And um, and Jesus assured him, listen, uh, you're going to inherit eternal life and much more. Not only in heaven, but even here and now. So according to what Jesus told this guy, the way it reads to me is we repent of our sin, which means we are going one way. We don't want to go that way anymore. We believe in the gospel, and we follow him. And that's what we've been talking about this week, is this whole idea of following. And people really who advocate a different point of view than what we're talking about this week, they really struggle with this passage. They they struggle to to deal with it because they're used to presenting You're
1: talking about this Mark Mark 10?
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well in the passage about the rich young ruler. Yeah, because, absolutely. Because uh they're not used to having the gospel tied into discipleship together. They're used to separating it telling everybody that salvation is free, which it doesn't cost you and me anything on the front end, but boy, when we become his, there are demands on our life.
1: Well, I was even looking, mm-hmm. if you continue in that that same, well new passage beginning in verse 23, it says, and Jesus looked around and said to this, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And The disciples were amazed at his words But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. So we're talking about the kingdom here, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. He says it is easier, we all know this verse, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. I think it's interesting going back to the verse you were talking about. What's he tell the rich young ruler? Get entangled from all the stuff. You're, you've you got a grip on. Get detangled. Ex- yeah, de- get de-tang- untangled yeah, from all untangled, that. Yeah, and, and and Because you aren't going to get into the kingdom
2: attached to all this other stuff. Well, so many people, Brad, in our country are used to a non-kingdom gospel that makes no demands after mm. the prayer. And they get upset when you start telling people, hey, you know, the gospel— Um, is a gift but there's something involved after you partake of that gift and he does a work in you because he created you like we said yesterday for good works. Yeah, beforehand. Mm -hmm.
1: Hey, glad you tuned in. If you want to call in this afternoon 844-777-7928 we always like to take your calls. If you have a comment or a question for us you can email us at at askatswatradio.com We'll take a quick break be right back to
4: God, my conscience started bothering me.
5: Having a clear conscience is an important key to personal and corporate revival.
4: See, I was a defense contractor, and years earlier, I had lied about my security clearance.
5: A right relationship with God will affect our relationship with everyone else.
4: I amended my paperwork with a note explaining that I had given my life to Jesus, and I needed to confess that I had lied about past drug use.
5: Clearing your conscience may be one of the hardest things you've ever had to do. But with every step, you'll experience God's grace.
4: I lost my security badge. My desk got moved out in the hall.
5: The Apostle Paul said, I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. Does that describe you?
4: Finally, the FBI cleared me. And I never regretted telling the truth.
5: With Seeking Him, I'm Nancy DeMoss Swagamuth.
2: There's major delays because of a crash on Atlantic Boulevard eastbound at Hodges Boulevard, blocking two right lanes. Also, there's a broken down vehicle on I-95 northbound near Pecan Park Road on the north side. Partly cloudy tonight, low 77. Thursday, mostly sunny, high 90. From the Traffic and Weather Center, I'm AJ.
1: to SWAT Radio. Brad and Doug uh, coming to you on this Wednesday afternoon. You want to call in today, 844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928. If you are, uh, maybe this first time you've heard of SWAT Radio, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And uh, we are a daily Monday through Friday men's broadcast, although I, I know we've got a lot of women who tune in And even call in from time to time. We'd love to hear from you guys. And uh, we're excited this weekend is our SWAT training day. Mm -hmm. And so uh, uh, some of you women out there who I know your husbands maybe attend the SWAT Bible studies and will be going this weekend, be praying for us, and uh, pray that God would uh, uh, just uh, do a work in us as we uh, study together. Uh,
2: working through, uh, you're
1: going to go through all of Haggai, right? The
2: whole, the whole, the whole two chapters, two right? chapters, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, it it is a powerful little book. You know, anytime prophets spoke, God was speaking to His people, and one of the things that I've been struck by uh, as I've been studying it is that if if anything significant ever happened in my life spiritually i would even say your life anybody god used somebody to speak his truth to that person you didn't just come to it on your own we're not that we're not like that god has meant for his people to speak into the lives of people somebody said hey you need to read the word somebody said hey this ain't working out too well why don't you turn to god why don't you come be part of this why don't you do that um and god uses haggai to speak in the lives of the people when they've made some bad choices and but the beautiful part of the whole story that we're going to look at this weekend is that it's never too late for you to repent until you're gone right if you're not if you're listening to the voice if you can hear audibly the voice of somebody telling you to repent It's not too late. Even the thief on the cross, the very last moments of his life, repented of his life, looked at Jesus and said, we deserve this. He doesn't. He's the Messiah. And Jesus Mm -hmm. said, today you're going to be with me. All he said was, remember, he didn't pray a prayer. He didn't ask Jesus into his heart. He didn't get baptized. No. He... But he expressed faith because the faith was in the heart. And that's what we're going to be looking at this weekend. And so I would ask if you're listening and you can hear the sound of our voice today, pray for me and pray for our men that will be there. Right now, I think we have about 75 guys coming, which is a little down from last year. But uh, it's okay. Uh, God has who he wants there. And uh, it'll be a good day. Uh, pray for safety and during the, all the activities. Never got a skydiver. Uh, no kidding. Got one, but uh, he needed a buddy. You want to go with him? No, I'll
1: pass on that one. Did that, done that, yeah, won't do it again. Yeah, I've done
2: it too. Well, you know, Brad, one of the um, guys that um, that uh, connected me with this book is a guy named Hollis Half. I think Hollis was a, a chaplain for the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think, maybe. Hmm. I met him when I was speaking up at Pittsburgh with Leo Wisniewski. Yep. And um, some of you may remember that was new ski named Stefan played for the uh, Jaguars. He prayed for the Eagles, played for the chiefs. His dad played, uh, I think for the Colts and Leo went to Israel with me and Hollis and Leo went through this thing called the Bonhoeffer project. And the Bonhoeffer project was based on, um, something uh, that Dietrich Bonhoeffer, many people know him. They know his name. A lot of people celebrate the fact that he stood up to the Nazis, you know, and he, he, he basically was killed for standing up. But a lot of people don't know what he taught. And it's interesting when you look at people's lives, we celebrate people and we don't know that much about them except maybe the final act or whatever they did. And I think it's important to go back and listen. This is, he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. It's a, it's, a, it's a really good read. And he says, grace is costly because it calls us to follow. And it is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It's costly because it costs a man his life. And it's grace because it gives a man the only true life. It is costly because it condemns us. I'm sorry, it condemns sin. And it's grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it's costly because it costs God the life of his son. You were bought at a price, and what has cost God much cannot be cheap for us. And when you think about that, you know, it's he, he would say that following Jesus isn't works-based salvation. It's a part of salvation itself. It happens when you truly believe. It produces that action of wanting to follow. Why? Not because you're willing yourself to do it, but because the Holy Spirit is wooing you to do mm-hmm. it and leading you <clears throat> to do it, you know? Um, but, you know, the, the The writer Ben Ben Hull says Bonhoeffer you know if you were reading his book and you read what I just read he would look you straight in the eye and tell you that your question about following Jesus is it works salvation indicates that you've probably been sold out to cheap grace mm-hmm. and that's what's happened with a lot of people um You know, so to admire Bonhoeffer and ignore his words is like admiring Jesus and ignoring his words. It means nothing. Yeah. Really. Um, But there are people today who are repenting of this cheap grace, non-kingdom gospel that's being called out there. And, um, you know, we, we need to tell people that when you come to Christ, you come to follow him. You don't just come to get a hand stamp like you're mm-hmm. going to go in somewhere. <clears throat> you come knowing that when you come, it's not a one-time decision for Jesus. It's a change of your life that he does in you. But when you come, you come knowing this call to a new life. It's not a refurb. It's a complete tear-down rebuild. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Um,
1: <clears throat> yeah, it's not a uh, remodel.
2: And Jesus says, count the cost, right? Um But for that to happen, you really got to consider what is meant by repentance and belief, which we've talked about. We'll talk a little bit about that again next week, uh, the repent and believe. We've already talked about it. But um, Bonhoeffer says that the gospel is actually protected by the preaching of repentance, which calls sin, sin, and declares a sinner guilty. We don't like that language. No, we don't. In fact, you know, one of America's favorite preachers, according to some news agencies, says that he doesn't <laughs> preach on sin because he didn't want to offend people. Uh, but if we operate on this basis of a diluted understanding of what biblical repentance is, then the rest of the discipleship that we we try to achieve is going to even be, it's not going to resemble anything like what, the disciples look like or the new the new church the church of the new testament look like Mm -hmm. it's going to look like very americanized and that's what we've created and the worst part is we export that junk to other countries
1: yeah we're we're the number one exporters of that yeah you know yeah it's a quote here which you that was a good bonhoeffer quote he says "Uh, cheap grace cheap grace means grace sold on the market like cheap jacks Mm -hmm. wears The sacraments, the forgiveness of sin, and the consolation of religion are thrown away at cut prices. Grace is represented as the church's inexhaustible treasury from which she showers blessing with generous hands without asking questions or fixing limits. Grace without price, grace without cost. The essence of grace, we suppose, is that the account— has been paid in advance and because it has been paid everything can be had for nothing mm. since the cost was infinite the possibilities mm. of using and spending it are infinite what would grace be if it were not cheap mm-hmm. you know it's it's just um, th- this idea that we are his and it doesn't require a
2: transformed life goes against scripture. Oh, it absolutely does. Well, one of our SWAT brothers brothers just sent in a thing that's really good. He says when Jesus invites us into a relationship with him, he invites us to follow him. He invites us into a direction. I would say a direction change. He is the direction. Our focus is not on distance but it's on him. Isn't that good? That's very good. He, he says, in other words, if we focus on direction, God takes care of the distance. Mm. But if we focus on distance, we might end up going a long way in the wrong direction. Absolutely. So he says, we've entered into a lifelong process with Jesus and real life change happens as we simply choose every day to walk towards him. So good. Isn't that so great? Good. Yeah, that is, that's what it means to be a disciple following yeah i love it i love it hey we're going to take one more break call, call in us, yeah. yeah
1: call us 844-777-7928 love to chat with you about this uh, great great topic and uh glad you tuned in uh, we'll take a quick break and be right back SWAT radio
3: The Florida-Georgia Truth Network, on the air in Mandarin at 91.7.
0: Look down from a broken sky, traced out by the city lights. My world from a mile high, best seat in the house tonight. Touch down the black tie. hold on for the sudden the familiar shock of confusion
1: hey welcome and back to SWAT radio Brad and Doug here on this wednesday afternoon getting some good uh, good messages uh, through text messaging and uh, but hey call us 844-777-7928 our good friend tim carter sent this he said david Platt says it is easy for american christians to forget how jesus said his followers would actually live. What their new new lifestyle would look like, he says that Jesus taught they needed to leave behind anything that took away from him as Lord. Kind of goes to to the point where we we've got to we got to kind of get rid of. I think of uh, Colossians. It speaks a lot about taking off and putting on. Mm. He says they they would need to give up security, money, convenience, or even family anything we put above him to be a christian you need to be willing to abandon everything for the gospel Mm -hmm. that's why jesus addressed the rich young ruler go sell all you have jesus knew what was in his heart he knew that the rich young ruler's heart was attached to all the things that he acquired in a lifetime
2: yeah yeah i i Thanks, I, Tim, for that. Appreciate I appreciate it. I, I really appreciate Tim sending that in because, um, you know, uh, that that phrase "focus on not him" I mean, but distance is what people do, and that can become legalism, right? I mean, like if you focus on things other than Jesus, yeah. But if you're following Jesus, that's not legalistic. I don't. I I, I really struggle to understand how people get that. Like, um, you know, R.C. Sproul, uh, which, I mean, he's a light thinker, you know, (laughs) R.C., talks about how a lot of times legalism is uh, used a lot in the Christian subculture to talk about people that have a narrow-minded view. uh, When it's not truly legalism, Um, he he says legalism – is when you take the law of God out of its original context <laughs> and you focus on the law of God without God being your focus. Hmm. Uh, that's one one thing he says. Um, but then he said there's a second form of legalism which divorces the letter of the law from the spirit of the law. In other words, you just focus on the rules, but your heart's not in it. Correct. You know, and um, it obeys the letter, but violates the spirit and and then he said there's a third type of legalism that adds our own rules this is what the pharisees did they wanted to protect certain things so they built a barrier around god's laws to make sure nobody would cross it the other thing they did was they focused on the exterior rather than the thing Mm -hmm. and actually they violated all three because their focus was on his law without being focused on him and so he just defines it that way and um He says the gospel calls men to repentance, holiness, godliness, following Jesus. And because of this, the world, and I would even say parts of the church, find this offensive. But woe to us if we distort the gospel. Woe to us Mm -hmm. if we add anything to the gospel. Woe to us uh, if we become more concerned about somebody's morality than their connection with jesus and this is the danger we all have to fight because when we look at what's going on in our culture whether it's with the trans or the homosexuals or uh adulterers or just the pagan immorality that's rampant in our country uh, we can get so focused on the people that are doing it we can forget that such were some of you that's right paul and 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 we need to be praying for them that they would know Jesus, yeah, that's right. they would love Jesus and follow Jesus. That's the essence of discipleship where Jesus says, follow me. He doesn't say follow Brad. He says, follow me. In fact, Paul says what? Follow me as I what? Follow, follow Jesus. Christ.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking of 2 second Timothy two, four, where Paul says uh, to Timothy, his child in the faith, he says, no soldier, Look at that language. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, mm. since his aim mm. is to please the one who enlisted him. Yeah, we are Christ's soldier. We are soldiers, and in the, in the warriors, sense of we're, we're warriors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know there are a lot of different, uh, you know, identifications as the believer, but you were enlisted. I love that word uh, that that we have been enlisted. And, and back to your point about being a marine
2: <laughs> you, you know, don't raise your right hand to swear to defend with your life and then say but i'm going to do everything i want to do you don't have that right. option when yeah. you get in yeah at least you didn't yeah. used to i don't know maybe you do today <laughs> well and i mean it, you know that
1: back to that idea of entanglement um what is it that we're entangled in mm. uh, is it, it could even be uh, what we might consider good things in mm-hmm. other words you might have a you might be entangled in a lot of uh, religious services, mm-hmm. but n- not be His. We, you know I've spoken about this before, Doug. That you know, there's a difference between professing Christ and possessing Christ. Mm-hmm. You can profess Christ and not possess Christ. Yeah, um, and that's a
2: dangerous place to be. Well, and that's the problem. There, there's a lot of professors, but not as many possessors. Uh, out there yeah. and so uh and I, again I realize this is this is hard this is hard to hear if we're honest right I mean like it's it 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 attacks a lot of some of the what I call gospel baggage we grew up with or mm-hmm. uh gospel error because uh and and l- listen can God use can God use even poorly given gospel presentations to bring people into his kingdom, of course he can. He's God. <laughs> he can yeah. do anything. Yeah. Um, you know, I know people that have come to Christ through cults. Yeah, now, I'm no, not absolutely. I'm not advocating yeah. people do that, but I'm saying they heard about Jesus in a and then they became more infatuated than Jesus mm-hmm. with Jesus than the cult. They started investigating and he let them out of that cult. So God can use anything, but that doesn't mean we want to go start cults everywhere, right? Do you remember, in fact, in
1: in the cover of my Bible, not this one, but the one that I I have from when I came to Christ, um, scriptures that are there, I've probably even read some of those to you, even just the personal notes that were written within the cover of my Bible uh, when I surrendered to Christ. Mm. Uh, I'm curious if you remember one of the verses, and it kind of, in a sense, goes to what we're talking about is, 1 John 1, 9, it says, which this is a verse we use when we're sharing the gospel. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. Listen to this. Two parts. Number one, to forgive us of our sins. Mm -hmm. But the second part is to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. It's not just an immediate cleansing of unrighteousness. It's a lifelong cleansing cleansing us of unrighteousness you know, you know what i mean it's, yeah. it it is it is a a um, uh, we are sanctified we are justified in in that transaction of christ's blood we've covered his righteousness has been imputed to us so when when god looks at us he sees christ mm-hmm. he sees the righteousness of christ but how many people kind of anchored on that and just keep living the way they want to live Mm -hmm. when in reality he is he is continuously cleansing us
2: yes it is a continual cleansing and i I love what perry bowers says he he, perry's a longtime friend and been in ministry a long time and he says you know when he thinks of first john 1 9 this confessing is almost like unstopping a blocked (laughs) uh water pipe of the spirit really um that that when you continue in a pattern of unrepentant sin um sometimes we become deaf to the to the sensitivity to the spirit you mm-hmm. know we we just aren't sensitive or, or numb not yep. deaf we become yep. numb uh and so uh, that confession is an ongoing confession it's a lifelong confession and there are actually people that teach out there that once you Um, become new in christ that you never sin anymore which is absolutely wrong uh (laughs) you do paul says the things i want to do i don't do the things i don't want to do i do Mm. wow uh is there any help for me says but there's no condemnation for those that are in christ uh in romans 7 and 8 so um Uh, You know, but again, and getting back to what we're talking about this week, this idea of following Jesus, following Jesus, he says, follow me. I want you to let that sink in for a second. Are you following him now? Are you following him? Not did you say a prayer? Not did you get saved one time? But do you follow him today? When you get up in the morning Do you think, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Or do you get up thinking, okay, I got to do this, this, and this? You know, when we wake up as his, if he's our king, then we at least need to start our day off saying, okay, Lord, I'm yours. Just show me where you want me to go. doesn't mean we can't have plans. He may use the desires of our heart to accomplish his purposes, but we should be willing to listen and be sensitive, and that's why we need to be in the word every day. And Brad, that is a huge, huge problem for a lot of men.
1: Yes. Yep. But even, even that, um, I can grow. I can become increasingly full of information. Uh, the discipline of prayer, the discipline of spending time in the Word is valuable. Mm-hmm. But that's not all we're called to do. Uh, We are actually called to be obedient to the word. James says, don't merely be a hearer. Don't merely be a a reader of the word, but be a doer of it. Mm -hmm. You know, and that we are, uh, 2 Peter 1.10, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. There is an essence of practice you think about uh, whether it's shooting for you. Mm-hmm. How how really good will you be at shooting if you took off now and didn't, didn't practice? Uh, my golf game wouldn't be very good if I didn't practice. That's why it's not very good mm-hmm. <laughs> these days. But the reality is that we are to practice these things. We're to understand them intellectually, but they are to sink down into our heart and out into our hands and our feet. We're to walk them out.
2: As we are following him he should be he should be the guide for us we should love yes. what he loves and hate what he hates yeah, he's a light unto our path yeah i mean and so and we can talk a little bit about that next week if we if we if i remember it. <laughs> uh, love what he loves hate what he hates cuz i think that's important yes. if he's our guide as yes. we follow him well Amen. brad i'll see you on saturday tomorrow i got anthony johnson from acacia counseling going to be on he's been a guest before